Okay, we'll start with the Brahmananda. a little discussion again about the three states. The reason being that the beauty of Vedanta is that, like I keep repeating, it's based on everybody's common experience, not on any special mystical experience. And everybody experiences the three states of waking, dream, and deep sleep. And when you examine those three experiences, you've examined, that's called the Purna Anubhava, the complete experience of human life is contained in those three states. So if we examine those states impartially, without any bias towards any one particular state, but actually what is our experience of those three states that, according to Vedanta, is sufficient. You don't need any other state, no mystical state. You don't need to see a thousand suns. You don't need to feel the, the Shakti going anywhere. You don't have to get Samadhi. You don't have to uh, uh, have any kind of mystical anything. Now, an objection may come up. Someone may say, if you've examined the three states, you haven't examined the whole gamut of human experience. You've left out many experiences. Like what? How about the experience of, uh, of hypnotism? That's a, maybe a different experience. How about the experience of hallucinations? How about the experience of people take drugs and they have weird experiences? How about the experience of daywalking, sleepwalking? Maybe that's another experience. So merely by examining the three states of experience, we haven't examined every experience. You haven't examined samadhi. You haven't examined uh, um, some yogi experiences that they may have that we haven't... So why do we say that by merely examining the waking dream and deep sleep, we've covered the whole gamut of human experience? And the reason is this. Follow me on this. This is a little... In fact, the full examination of human experience consists really of two experiences that we're able to have. 
And they are, you're aware of something, one. Or you're not aware of anything, two. Can somebody tell me the third experience? Those are it, right? Now, you could be aware of something real, like right now, this is real, maybe. This is real, we take it as real. So, I'm aware of the real. How about when I dream? Am I aware of something? By the way, in Sanskrit, this is called darshanavritti. The state in which I'm aware of something is called darshanavritti. And the state in which I'm not aware of anything is called adarshanavritti. In waking, I'm aware of, the way, of whatever is appearing in the waking state. When I dream, I'm aware of whatever is appearing in the dream state, something unreal, but I'm aware of something. And in deep sleep, I'm not aware of anything. There's no third experience for any human being. That's the Purna Anubhava, the complete examination of my own experience. This is Sarvatrika Anubhava. There's nobody in this room that has any different experience than that. You're either aware of something or you're not aware of anything. So when you examine waking, that represents being aware of the real. When you examine dream, you're aware of the unreal. And when you examine the experience of deep sleep, you're not aware of anything. If I'm hallucinating, am I aware of something? Yeah. If I'm... Uh, suppose I get samadhi. Let's just say I can get samadhi. And I got rid of every single thought. Chitta vritti nirodaha. Every modification of the mind is gone. Am I aware of anything? That's adarshana vritti. Same as deep sleep. You don't need samadhi. Sleep is good enough to get adarshana vritti. If I'm aware of anything, you could... That's either waking or dream, because if I'm aware of the real, you call that waking. If I'm aware of something unreal, you can call that dream. But I'm aware of something. And then any state, suppose somebody hits me with a bat on the head and I get a coma. Am I aware of anything? No. Suppose I faint right now, and uh, I'm not aware of anything. That's a darshan of riti. So merely by examining sleep, I've included all of the other states because it doesn't matter how you go into it. It's the actual experience of it. What is my experience? And in the experience, I'm not aware of anything. And the trick here is to see the fact of the matter. 
I'm aware when I'm aware of something and I'm not aware when I'm not aware of anything I'm only negating the thing and not my awareness. I'm aware when I'm aware of something and I'm aware when I'm not aware of anything. When you say I'm not aware of anything you haven't denied your awareness. You've just denied the appearance of anything. I didn't know any... When you take away everything, you don't become unconscious. You're aware when you're aware of something, and you're aware when you're not aware of anything. In the waking state, I'm aware of this. In the dream, I'm aware of something unreal. And in deep sleep, I'm aware of nothing. I am eternal awareness. This is the real, basic, fundamental approach. So by examining waking, dream, and deep sleep, we haven't left out any experience because that those encompass all of darshan of vritti, whether it's real or unreal, it's darshan of vritti. And whether I'm not aware of anything because of samadhi, sleep, coma, faint, it's all the same. I'm not aware of anything. When we say I'm not aware of anything, we haven't denied our awareness. You've denied your awareness of anything. I was trying to say earlier today about the fact that when we think of the three states, we think, oh, I'm awake first, and then I had a dream, and then I slept, and then I woke up, as though the states were in some type of time series where one is following the other. But in fact, waking time and waking space is in the waking state. The dream time, as soon as the dream comes, the waking time and waking space is cancelled, and all I'm aware of is the dream time, dream space, and I take that to be real. There's no time outside of the state in which you could say first there was waking and then there was dream and sleep. So the, the states are not in time. Time is in the states. So they can't follow each other means there's not even three states. Because three means there would have to be first one, and then another, and then another, where they followed each other in time. But the states cancel each other. As soon as the dream comes, the waking is sublated. As soon as the waking comes, the dream is sublated. Along with the time-space that was in that state, you have to see that the that everything is in the state. It's one of the unique teachings of the three states. That the states are not in the world. We think there's a world, and I exist in the world, and I'm having a waking state. And when, when my waking goes, my waking world continues. But that's nobody's experience. As soon as the dream comes, I don't feel like I came from the waking state and now I'm in the dream. The dream totally sublates the waking in the same exact way that as soon as the waking comes, the dream is gone. 
along with the dream time, dream space, dream reality, all of it is cancelled. So the states are not in time. In fact, the three states are just an imagination. There's only you. You are the truth of waking. You are the truth of dream. They're both appearances. They have no reality at all. Nobody can contradict this. No logician can contradict this. This is the experience of everybody. Either you're aware of something, or you're not aware of anything. And in either case, you're aware. This is not a dogma to believe. This is not theology to be accepted on blind faith. You see your experience. Either something's appearing to you, it doesn't matter whether you think it's real, waking, or you think it's unreal, dream, or you think I'm not aware of anything. That awareness never goes. That's how you know you're not aware of anything. That's your experience. It's not a guess. When nothing's there, how do you know it's not there? When something appears, how do you know it's appearing? Because you're the consciousness that substantiates what's coming and what's going. If we look at the other states from the point of view of the waking state, then dream, this is real, dream is unreal, and in deep sleep I'm unconscious. From the waking point of view, this is the real, dream is unreal, and sleep, I was unconscious, I didn't know anything. But from the point of view, if you could give up the bias towards this state and see what your actual experience is, you'll see that the waking state appears and disappears to you just like the dream, and they mutually cancel each other. Anyonya Badita. They mutually cancel each other equally. When any one state is appearing, it appears like the waking. When I'm in the dream, it's waking. That's what I mean by a dream. I'm not talking about, uh, what do they call that? Lucid dreaming. Ever hear of lucid dreaming? Where you know you're in a dream? If you know you're in a dream, then that's waking. Dream means the state that when you're in it, you take it to be waking. That's what I mean by a dream. Just like now, the state that we're in, that we take to be waking, it's a dream. The two states are equally appearing and disappearing to me. That should show you that the waking ego can't be me. The waking ego is stuck in the waking state. If I was the waking ego, I couldn't give it up and continue to be. But even when the waking ego disappears and now a dream ego, I'm totally identified in the dream with the dream ego. I take myself to be that dream ego for the time being. I'm just as identified with that guy in the dream as I am with this guy in the waking state. 
I give up my identification with Ira, the waking ego, and I now identify with a new ego that appears, and that seems to be me, and it's absolutely real. And I take myself to exist from the tip of the toe in the dream, right to here. And I believe that my senses in the dream are valid, and I see the tiger over there, and it's real, and I tell my friend, and he's real, and the time and the space, at that time, that dream ego is who I am, and he's the one who sees the dream. But really, I'm the light of the whole dream. It's appearing in me. The dream ego never saw the dream tiger, because he's an object. But in the dream, it seems as though I am the dream ego, and now I'm running away from the tiger. As soon as I wake up, that dream ego, I'm not that. Now I become the waking ego again. So the idea that I am this ahamkara, this I, we can see clearly that my nature is not the I, because if it was when the I went, I would go. But I don't go. I'm the witness of that waking ego, and I'm the witness of the dream ego. So I'm neither the waking ego or the dream ego. I'm the witness, the Shetragnya, that is the witness of the whole Shetra. Not only the Ahamkara, but the Mahabhutani, the great elements, the whole universe is the Shetragnya. And when everything disappears, that's called Abhyakta, the unmanifest. That's called deep sleep, when nothing's appearing. I'm still there. I'm the witness of the Abhyakta. That's the Bhagavad Gita. I don't go when the world does not manifest. And I don't appear when the world manifests. I'm the unchanging light. There's going to be a verse coming up in the Gita that we'll get to that we'll talk about. This light, the real light of the self, that doesn't depend on any other light. The light that lights up the light and the darkness. This is the way to understand our true nature. By examining the totality of human experience and coming to realize that my true self is unchanging beyond time and space because the time and the space are in the states but I continue regardless. The waking ego never dreamt the dream ego never woke up. There are two separate appearances in me. And when they both disappear, I'm not aware of anything. I am not aware of anything. You're not denying your consciousness, that chit, which is beyond time and space, which really has no object at all. Because what's ever appearing can't exist without you. Without the subject, nothing can appear. Whatever's appearing, is, it has its existence dependent on you. But you don't depend on the appearance. Whether anything appears or disappears, you are unattached, asanga, ever free from what's happening in the appearance. If you're cut in a dream, are you cut? 
not from the point of view of the witness of the dream. If you're cut in the waking, are you cut? Not from the point of view of the witness of the waking. That witness of both states, which never changes, that's Atma. That's the Atma. That's Paramatma, the Supreme Self. That's your own true nature. You have to intuit this fact for yourself to see the truth of it in the light of your own experience. One more point about this. Everybody thinks that this waking state is common to everybody. It's a common world that we all share. We're born in a world that is common to everybody. But my dreams are private. You don't know my dream. I don't know your dream. They're private dreams because they're just in my mind and you're not in my mind. So I know my dreams, they're a private experience, but this waking is a common experience. But Gaudapada brings out a beautiful verse, he says, To him to whom the dream was appearing, it is to him alone that the waking is appearing. Nobody sees your waking. The waking appears to you. In the waking, this is part of the waking. I'm the witness of not only this and you and everything. I'm not in the waking. It's appearing to me. The one who saw the dream, private, is the one who sees the waking, private. It's not a common experience. There's no other knower here but me. There's no other seer here but me. There's no other smeller here but me. Because I'm the only conscious being. It's a private experience. Waking is not common. Who you think is the teacher or your parents or your friends, they're all you. You're the truth of the whole waking, just like you're the truth of the whole dream. The duality that's appearing there is not real. The duality that's appearing here is not real. In the state, in the dream, the tiger is real. The water is real. And when you drink the dream water, it quenches your dream thirst. In the waking state, when I drink the waking water, it quenches my... They're real in the state. This harmonium is real. Science is real. The laws of nature are real in the state. But when you take the perspective of the witness, then dream and waking are both private. Nobody saw your waking. You're the light of the waking. It's not a common experience. I am Vedamurti. I am Sita Devi. I am everybody. I am the sun and the moon. I light up the whole universe. I uphold the whole universe. I am the truth of the whole universe. There's nothing else here but me. I'm the only reality that doesn't change. Anybody following me? <laughs> okay. In order to follow me, you can't just listen to my words. You have to check your own experience and see, is it really, is this guy just babbling or is it my experience? 
If it's not your experience, please raise your hand. Tell me, no, 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 no. I don't know what you're talking about. This waking is common to everybody. My parents were here before I was born. How could, uh, how could that be? But think about it in a dream. So you're there talking to your friend. The friend, and the friend asks you, how'd you get here? Well, my mother and father, they slept together, and I was a baby, <coughs> and I came here, and, blah, 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 and now I'm a, 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 an adult, and uh, that's how I got here. Okay. This is what, you believe in the dream. But as soon as the dream ends, the whole thing was just a dream. From that point of view, it was not real. In the waking, it's all real. I see it, touch it, smell it, feel it. And let me ask you one other question. That witness of the dream, or that witness of the waking, can you see that witness? With your eyes, can you see that witness? Can you hear it? Can you touch it, smell it, taste it? What's the proof? What's the proof that there's a witness? Does anybody have a doubt that, the, that they're the witness of their dreams? Any doubts about that? No. We may doubt that I'm the witness of my waking state, yeah? No. Wonderful. If you could see that you're the same witness of your waking state as the dream, you've now seen that you're beyond waking and dream. You're not in time, because time is in the states. You can't be divided, because only that which is in time or space can be divided. In fact, what you call a dream is just you. It's you that's the only reality there with all the duality that was appearing. Without you being there, the dream could not appear. Whatever was appearing there had no reality at any time in the past, present, or future. The only truth of the dream is you. If you can see that you're equally the only witness of the waking state, that it has no existence apart from you, you're the truth of it. You pervade the whole thing and give it reality. Just like a rope pervades the snake. Without the rope, there could be no snake. Without you, there could be no waking. You're the truth of the waking. You're the pervader of the waking. You're the very warp and woof of it. All of this, sarvamidam, atmaeva. The Upanishads state that clearly. All of this is the self alone. When they go all of this, what do they mean? All of this duality, including this ego. When we go all of this, don't just all of this. This and everything inside is also this. Right up to that thought of I am so and so. That's also this. And you're the witness of the whole thing. All of that is in the waking. It has no reality apart from you. It's not a common experience. Nobody ever saw my waking. Nobody ever saw your waking. Just like nobody ever saw your dream. There's only one seer here. That's Atman. The one seer in all beings. The one truth of all beings the unchanging reality 
that's unaffected by anything. Satchitananda. It exists, but it's not in time or space. It's consciousness, but it has no real object. And it's bliss, because there's no second thing to hurt you. It's bliss, because in it there are no desires. It's bliss, because in it there's nothing to limit it. That's called ananda. It's peace, because there's no duality. Not because the mind has become peaceful. Because in the self there is no mind. This is the real way to examine our experience. I hope to come back here next year. I was invited, and God willing, if this body is still running around, and I make it back here, we're going to take the Mandukya Upanishad, which is, for those familiar with it, the one Upanishad that deals with this subject in great length. And it's a very beautiful and perhaps the most profound of all and the most difficult of all the Upanishads. Generally speaking, it's only taught to sannyasis, for those who've abandoned the world and have no other interests. Because worldly people can't understand it. It's almost a waste of time. You can get some, some intellectual appreciation and hopefully you may get that. And that'll be sufficient. But that's such a beautiful Upanishad. And to understand it properly, and to understand how it's functioning, and what it really means, it takes some explaining. And this is just the slightest introduction to those three states. We can get into it much deeper if we study that Upanishad with Gaudapada's Karikas and Shankar's commentary on it. That is... If you've understood that, you don't have to study any other Upanishad. Finished. It's over. I'd like to uh, spend a little time on the text. I'm glasses. So, you remember that, I'm sure you all remember the 12th sloka. <laughs> nasat, nasat, uchite. It is said to be neither existent nor non-existent. Neti, neti. When you take away the waking, when you take away the dream, when you take away the concept of sleep, because sleep is just your true nature. But from the waking point of view, it's a state that you went into and you came out of. In our ignorance, in the waking state, we think we came out of sleep. Nobody came out of sleep. You weren't in sleep. We all think this one ego, he got into sleep and now I woke up. But sleep, if you look at it from the point of view of your own experience, sleep is the self. Waking is dream. If you can see 
the equality of both the states, that they're exactly the same from the point of view of the witnessing consciousness, then sleep is not sleep. If waking is a dream, then waking and dream are the same. And dream is a state where duality seems to be appearing as real, but in truth it never was, it isn't while it's appearing, and it never will be. There's only one truth there. There's no duality there. So in dream there's no duality. And in deep sleep, no duality. What's the difference between dream and deep sleep? Nothing. So waking is dream. Dream is deep sleep. But when there's no waking and no dream, what's the meaning of deep sleep? When there's no waking and no dream, what's the meaning of deep sleep? Deep sleep is Turiya. It's the absolute reality. It's not in time or space. It's just pure consciousness. The Upanishad says in that state we become one with our true nature. But we don't know that we become one with our true nature. And therefore we wake up. We say that in the waking state. Nobody woke up. The self never woke up. The self never went to sleep. It never changes. It's always awake. Nitya Buddha, eternally awake. The self never goes to sleep. It's the light that never goes out. It lights up the darkness. The darkness of deep sleep is lit up by the self. If you think deep sleep is some kind of like black, black, blank, the witness of that blackness, take that away. That's the self. There's no blackness in deep sleep. Because there's no subject, no object. There's just consciousness. I wasn't aware of anything. So when the Gita says, nasat nasat uchite, that's the negation. But in the verses that follow that, you see, that's why you can't read the Gita as though it's some kind of novel. This is not a, a literary book that you read from chapter 1 to chapter 18 and then you've understood the novel. The order of the way it has to be studied is not sequential. It has to be studied, so really the verses 14, 15, and 16 should have come first. That's the superimposition. And then 12. I'm going to tell you now, that gayam, that thing that has to be known, knowing which nothing you will attain immortality. Amritam ashnute, nasat nasat. That should have come after these verses. These are the superimpositions. This is the way Vedanta works. What I mean by Vedanta, the word Vedanta has many meanings. One of them means the Upanishads. Which whenever you hear the word Vedanta, you think Upanishad. It also means the end of all knowledge. Because when you know the meaning of the Upanishads, nothing remains to be known.
So here's the superimposition, the deliberate superimposition for the purpose of teaching begins in 13... Thirteen, thirteen. I want. I'll start off reading the Sanskrit. It, it's better. This translation is. It's better that I translate it. Servataha pani padamtat. That reality, which is not this, not this, tat. The name for Brahman in the Upanishads and the Gita is usually tat, that. They don't want to say more than that. It's that. It's tat. Tatvamasi. It's, it, it doesn't give it a name. It's a pronoun. Because you can't name it. They just call it that. Tat. That. Servati, servataha panipadam. It has hands and feet everywhere. Because it has my hands and my feet. It has your hands and your feet. It has everybody's hands and everybody's feet because it's the truth of everything. It pervades everything. So if you think there's everything, like people, then it says, Sarvataha Pani Padam. It has hands and feet everywhere. Sarvataho Akshi Shiro Mukam. It has everywhere eyes and, and heads and mouths. Sarvataha Shruti Mat Loke. Everywhere. Everywhere it has shruti mat, it has ears everywhere in this world. Servam avritya. Avritya. Avritya literally means it covers everything. Look in the dream, it's much easier to see this. It's hard in the waking state. But in the dream you can see you are covering the whole thing. There's no place where you're not in the dream. That light of consciousness. Wherever you go in the dream, suppose you climb to the top of the Himalayas in the dream. Is it there? Suppose you go back into your house and you're in your bed. Is it there? Suppose you pull the covers over your head. Is it there? It's everywhere. It means serva viapi. It pervades everything. It's the light that's everywhere that you can't get rid of it. It's the one thing that's so near to you that you can never get rid of it. It's kind of like if a person were to put a lamp on the top of their head and said, I got to get rid of this lamp. I'm going to go into that dark room and I'm going to find a dark corner and I'm going to put the lamp there. So you go in the room and you begin looking for a dark corner. <laughs> Wherever you go, you can't find a dark corner. Why? Because the light is lighting up wherever you are, that light is there. There's no place to find a dark corner because it's your very nature. It pervades everything, it's everywhere, it covers everything at all times. That's called serva mavritya. It covers everything. It's the truth of everything. Shankar in the Bashiya here says... Um, Compassing all. That knowable has hands and feet on all sides, also eyes, heads, and mouth. It hears, it, it, it has ears in the whole sphere of living beings. Encompassing, 
covering means pervading all, sarva vyapi. By the way, that's the, the, the real meaning of Vishnu. That Vishnu is that which, the reality which pervades everything, which is the truth of everything, which is the warp and woof of everything. The, just like the snake is fully pervaded by the rope, there's no existence in that snake apart from the rope. It covers the snake completely. If I were to pull the rope away, what happens to the snake? Gone. The only truth of the snake is the rope. The only truth of this is me. I pervade the whole thing. I am Vishnu. That witnessing consciousness. That Shetranya. Shetranya Chapi Mahamvidi. Know me, Vishnu, to be the Shetragnya. I pervade the whole thing. Sarva Mabhritya. Tishtati. It remains unchanging. Tishtati. It stands like a rock. Kutasta. Like a heap. Like an anvil. The word Kutasta in Sanskrit really means like an anvil. You know, in a blacksmith shop, they have the anvil, and on it you put a piece of hot metal, and you hit it with the hammer to make the metal take shape. But the anvil is kutasta. It remains always the same. That's why they call itself kutasta. It's like an anvil. It never changes. Tishtati, it remains unchanging, even though it has eyes and ears everywhere, it has mouths and feet everywhere, it covers everything, but it remains perfectly unchanging. The next verse says, Sarva Indriya Guna Abhasam. Serva Indriya, serva all, Indriya senses. Serva Indriya Guna, the qualities of the senses, Abhasam. It's appearing as though it has the qualities of all the senses. Means what? It seems as though it sees. It seems as though it hears. It seems as though it tastes. It seems as though it feels. That Serva Indriya Guna Abhasam. But, serva indriya vivarjitam, but it is free from all sense organs. That's the superimposition. It seems to have all, it's shining with all the senses. But in truth, serva indriya vivarjitam, it is without any of the senses. It is free from all the senses. That witnessing consciousness which in the dream looks like it has senses as the dream ego and it's seeing the dream world. But really the self has no senses. It's just the light, unchanging light. It doesn't see anything. It just lights up. What does it light up? The knower, the knowing and the known. It's not a knower. We call it a knower, but in fact it's just the light in which the knower, the knowing and the known appear. It has no senses, it can't know anything in truth. 
Serve Indriya Vivarjitam. Asaktam, that witness is unattached. When the waking appears, nothing that happens in that waking affects this reality. When the dream appears, nothing in the dream that's appearing affects that sakshi, that witnessing consciousness. It's asaktam, it's unattached. Serva vritya, but it upholds everything. Without that paramatma, the universe, there's nothing to hold it up. That snake can't be held up without the reality of the rope. It upholds everything. But it's not attached to anything. Asaktam serva bricha. But if you think there's a world, there's only one thing that's upholding it. That reality. Serva bricha. Nirgunam. It has no qualities. That witness has no qualities. Near gunam. Gunam means quality. Near means without. Near gunam. That Brahma is near guna Brahma. You have no qualities. You are without qualities. But guna bhaktrachya, you seem to be enjoying all of the gunas. You have no gunas, but in the waking, you seem to be enjoying the gunas. You have no gunas, but in the dream, you're the only consciousness. So you're the only one who can enjoy the objects. It's you who appear to be the enjoyer, the knower, the doer. There's no other knower or doer or enjoyer but you. But you're not a knower or a doer or enjoyer. Only in the state of ignorance. Bahir, it seems to be on the outside. Everything that's outside, that you see outside of this body, mind, and senses, everything outside, that's you. It's Bahir. The self is outside, Antahascha, and the self is inside. It's not divided. We think that the self is in me, and I am here, and then whatever's outside of this is the not-self. This is the self, this is the not-self, outside. But Krishna tells us, it is everything that is outside and everything that's inside. Look at the dream. The dreamer, that dream ego, he's thinking everything inside. And then he sees the tiger outside. But all of it is just me. What you call inside is me. What you call outside is me. There's no inside or outside. There's only me. I am the reality. I am the outside. I am the inside. Bahir Antascha. Bhutanam of all beings. When they say the word Bhutanam, it doesn't just mean beings, human beings. It means every single thing that's appearing. That's a Buddha. Human beings, rocks, mountains, they're nothing but me. There's nothing other than me. I am the outside and the inside. Acharam. I never move. I am unmoving. Charam eva 
But because I seem identified with this body, mind and senses, I'm moving everywhere. I'm unmoving, but I'm moving also. Adiropa, moving, the truth, unmoving. Sukshmatvat, because I am so subtle. Sukshmatvat, tvat means because. Sukshma is subtle. Because of my subtlety, because that witness is so subtle. The way we think of subtlety is the gross objects are gross. The senses are even more subtle than the gross objects because they perceive them. The mind is considered even more subtle than that. Or you can even say space. Space is so subtle because it's everywhere. It pervades everything. Space is so subtle that there's, it's, space doesn't end here and start here. There's space in the thing. It pervades it. It's more subtle than the gross. That's how subtle space is. It's the most subtle of all the elements. But that witnessing consciousness pervades space. It's the most subtle. You can't even see space. You can only see things in space because space is so subtle. We have to infer space because it's so subtle. But the witnessing consciousness is more subtle than space. And because of that, sukshmatvat, because it is so subtle, avigyam, it seems as though it's unknown. You can't see it. You can't hear it. You can't <coughs> smell it. It's too subtle for your senses to perceive. Abhigayam. Durastam. It seems as though it's very far away. But it's the most near thing to you. Antikecha. It seems so far away. But it's your own self. <coughs> There's nothing more dear. Nothing more near than your own self. Because yourself is you. Shankara says in the commentary here, because it is unknown to the ignorant people, it is far away. Dorastam, beyond the reach of the ignorant, even for millions of years, but to the wise, because it is their very self, it is the most near. Next line, 16. You don't have this in your what, handout, so you have a Gita. Avi Bhaktam Chaya Bhuteshu. Avi Bhaktam, it is not divided in the beings, just like space. If I take a bunch of cups, space is a good example for the self. If I take a bunch of cups, I say, oh, in this cup there's this space, in this cup there's this space, in this room there's this space, there's space everywhere. It seems to be divided. There's room space, cup space, vase space, so many spaces, outside space, inside space. But in truth, space is indivisible. 
avivaktam. But it appears as though divided because of the cups. The self seems as though it's many. I have myself, you have yourself, vibhaktam. But that's only because of the cups. But the space, the true self and everyone is one. Avibhaktam, undivided. Avibhaktam, bhuteshu. Vibhaktam iva. This word iva in the Gita is very important here. Vibhaktam iva, as though it were divided. It seems as though the, the space is divided by the cups, but really it's not divided at all. It's as if. You can't divide space. You can't chop space. Space is one homogeneous reality. Even though we talk about big space, little space. How about this? The space in this cup, I'm going to move it over there. I can move space. All you're moving is the cup. You're not moving space. But because we think that the space is delimited, is divided by the cup, we talk about space moving. As if, but really, avibhaktam, it's never divided. It's one. There's no two selves. But because of this container and that container, the selves appear as many, as if, but there's only one self. There's only one self for the whole dream. But in the dream, it seems as though there's many selves, as if. Vivakta vivacha stitam, it remains. Undivided in all beings, it appears as divided. Stitam, it remains. Unchanging. Stitam. Buddha Bhartra. It's the upholder of all beings. Tat Gayam. That thing that has to be known is the support of all beings, of all things that are known. Everything that you know, every object, it's the Buddha Brit. Tat Gayam. That Gayam, that thing that has to be known, which was said to be Nasat. Nasat, from the point of view of the illusory world, it's the upholder of everything. That's the Ishwara, by the way. Is that lady here? No. She's out. She's out, okay. Oh, that, that, when you take it that that consciousness is upholding the whole world, that without it the world can't exist for a second, then you think, then we call that consciousness Ishwara. He's the all-powerful one that supports the whole world. If you think there's a world, he's Ishwara. Ishwara is as real as the world. If there's a world, that Sakshi is called Ishwara. From the point of view of the world, where I'm a jiva, an individual, I'm the guy in the cup. Compared to that, the space is Ishwara. From the point of view of me as an individual, that I'm a knower and I'm a doer and I'm an enjoyer and I'm a little guy, compared to that, 
that supreme reality is called Ishvara. When I realize there's no duality, then that Ishvara is Brahman. From the point of view of the world, everything came from that. He's Brahman. He's Brahma, the creator of everything. From the point of view of the world, he's Vishnu. He pervades everything. And from the point of view of the world, that whole world, every night in deep sleep, merges back into him. He's Shiva. That's Ishwara. In his three forms of creator, sustainer, and destroyer. One God, with all-powerful. When everything appears, he's the only knower. He's the all-knower. He's omniscient. He's all-powerful. And there's nowhere where he's not. It's like that light on your head looking for a dark place. He's omnipresent. That's Ishwara. But when all duality is denied, nasat, nasat, then he's not even Ishwara. He's the non-dual Brahman. Question. Sorry, I, I, I'm not getting this at all. So what, what's the relationship between Ishwara and Brahman? I'm not getting this at all. There's no relationship. Brahman is Ishwara in relation to the world. When the dream appears, the witness is called Ishwara. Why? Because it appeared in him. He's the knower of the whole dream. The dream can't exist without him, so he's all-powerful, all-knowing. There's nowhere in the dream where he's not, so he's omnipresent. That same Ishwara, that same Parabrahma, the non-dual reality, in relation to the world, is called Ishwara. But take the world away, Ishwara is the same. He goes. No. He's Brahman. He was only called Ishwara because of the world. When there's no world, he's the same. Ishwara is Brahman. Wow, that's fantastic. That was the question for ages I had. Thank you. You're so welcome. <laughs> In the normal teaching, for example, of uh, Swami Dayananda, it becomes an, uh, a power that stays. That Ishwara has a power that stays? No, they say that it's like this. Or what would you say? Well, let me clarify a little. You, what it, Swami Dayananda so, says that Ishwara has a power. I ask you, oh. does he say it like this? Yeah. Because Swami uh, Ishwara is a big, uh, big thing. In, I'm sorry you missed this little thing I had to say. I'll repeat it very quickly. It's okay. I've been saying that there's only one reality that never changes, which is pure consciousness. That's all that there ever was, is, or will be. And that's called Advaita Vedanta. In there, there can be... The, does anyone know what the word Ishvara means, literally in Sanskrit? It means ruler. Ishvara is the ruler. If there's a ruler, there must be something that's ruled. It's Dvaita. Ruler and ruled. How could there be a ruler and something ruled in Advaita Vedanta? But from the point of view of the world, that non-dual reality is seen as Ishvara. 
Everything comes from that. Everything is supported by that. That reality pervades the whole appearance. That Vishnu, that Ishwara, pervades the whole world. He exists in the hearts of all beings. If you think there's all beings, as long as there's a world, that non-duality is called Ishwara. Sorry? Say something about Maya. Ishwara is Maya. Ishwara and Maya. So, that Brahman is called Ishwara because there's Maya. That Maya is caused by your ignorance. When the Maya goes, when your ignorance goes, the Maya goes. When the Maya goes, Ishwara is no longer Ishwara. He's the non-dual reality. He's only in relation to the world, which is Maya. He's not really Ishvara, because if he was, duality would be real. Ruler and something really ruled. But this world, according to Vedanta, is a Vidya Kalpita. It's just imagined by ignorance. It's only because we don't know the truth that we've mistaken it as the world. It's kind of like, because I don't know it's a rope, that's the reason the snake is appearing. In relation to that Maika snake, the rope is Ishwara. Why? That snake came from the rope. That snake is supported by the rope. When I shut out the lights, that snake merges back into the rope. The rope is Ishwara. But when I know there never was a snake, there's no snake even when it's appearing. And there never will be a snake. Why? There's only a rope. Then there's no Ishwara. That Ishwara is Parabrahma. Only in relation to Maya, because of my ignorance, that witness, the Shetragnya, is called Ishwara. It's long in the ignorance that this duality is appearing. Not only is duality appearing, I take myself to be this. Myself is this. Ahamidam, I am this. That means I am limited. So if I'm limited in relation to me, that witness is the infinite God. In relation to me, He is God. That supreme Parabrahma, that Paramatma, the supreme self. I am a little self. It's kind of like the space in the cup. As long as I take myself to be divided by the cup, then that space is called Ishwara. As soon as the cup goes, that space and the big space are just one space. Then there's no Ishwara, no ruler, and nothing to be ruled over. From the point of view of ignorance, where there's Maya, then there's Ishwara. Ishwara is not false. Ishwara is Paramatma. He doesn't go away when the duality goes away. It's just that you call him Ishwara in relation to the Maya. When your ignorance is gone, there'll be no duality. And there's no Ishwara. There's only the non-dual Brahman. In Dvaita, that non-dual Brahman is called Ishwara. He's all... Look at it. Look at your own experience. I've told you all that in deep sleep, we are God. We are the supreme reality. We become one with that consciousness. If you take the perspective, if sleep is 
the reality. Out of me, this whole universe arises. It comes from me. I'm the Ishwara. I am Brahma, in which the whole world arises, in my consciousness. It's, there's no other source for the world but me. There's no other source for the snake but the rope. The whole world appears from me. It abides in me. I am Vishnu, the pervader. The whole appearance has to be pervaded by me or else it can't exist for a second. And when it all disappears, it disappears into me. I am Shiva. In relation to the false appearance, that non-dual reality is called Ishvara. As long as you're an individual, then that is God. And we have to surrender to that God. Sarva Dharma Parityaja Mam Ekam Sharanam. Take refuge in me, Mam. But that word Mam, me, means your own true self. Paramatma, the real self in all beings. That's God in relation to the world. That's the Ishwara. When there's Maya, there's Ishwara. When the Maya goes, Ishwara remains as Brahman. That's the correct way to understand it. Abhibhaktam Bhuteshu, undivided amongst all beings, Vibhaktamiva, but it seems as though divided. Stiram, stittam, it remains like Tishtati, it stands. Bhutabrit, it supports everything. That Ishwara is the all-powerful one. The whole universe is upheld by Him. Bhutabrit tadgeyam. Grahishnu, it consumes everything. It's all-consuming. It eats up everything. Everything gets devoured by Him. They call it pralaya, when everything merges back into Ishwara. And then Ishwara throws it out again during Srishti, creation. Pravishnu Chet. It is the Shiva. It absorbs everything into itself. Pravishnu Chet. And it's the generator of everything. Sarva Shaktiman. It's the all-powerful being. The whole universe comes from it and the whole universe is taken in by it. Every morning it spits it out with no effort at all. The whole universe comes out of me like a spider puts out its web or like a person just with no effort breathes out. We breathe out this whole universe effortlessly. We are the Ishwara in which the whole universe appears. But in the universe, I take myself and my ignorance to be a jiva. And then that Ishwara becomes the all-powerful one to whom I have to turn my mind to. Turn your mind to God. Turn, surrender to God. As long as I'm different from God, I'm small, I'm not all-knowing, I'm not all-powerful, I'm not all-pervasive. But that Brahma. He is the Grahishnu Pravishnu. Everything comes from Him. Everything is devoured by Him. Everything is pervaded by Him. Brahma, Vishnu, Shiva, the three aspects of Ishvara. From the point of view of the world, if you think the world is real, 
then God is real. When you know that the world is Maya, the word Maya, like I've said, means that which appears to exist, but which in truth never was, isn't when it appeared, and never will be. Yama Samaya. That which is not is Maya. So this Maya which is not, it never was. And therefore Brahman is not Ishwara. Only in relation to that which is not, we call that non-dual reality Ishwara. And from that point of view of Maya, I am a Jiva and the non-dual reality is called Ishwara. It's a big subject, and I'm just touching on it, because you'll hear all sorts of crazy theories that the Jiva has its witness, and Ishwara has its witness, and there are Ishwara Sakshi, and Jiva Sakshi, and... Uh, Shristi, Jiva Shristi. And there's Jiva Shristi, and Ishwara Shristi, and... Nowhere in the Bhashiya will you find even a hint of this. This is all later nonsense that came from the logicians who thought that they could explain Vedanta according to their own intellects. Vedanta became nothing but a bunch of logical inconsistencies. And all of the Vaishnavas knocked them off fully. It's totally ridiculous. Ramanuja totally devastated all of the theories of what modern Vedantins now hold as the teaching of Vedanta. Ramanuja, his introduction to the Brahma Sutras, I recommend anybody reading it that wants to really know why all of those teachings about Mula, Vidya, and Avidya is a Shakti, and Avidya is something that's not existent, but it exists, is neither existent nor non-existent, Sata Satvilakshana, all of that is totally trashed and no Vedantin has ever been able to come back and refute Ramanuja. They won the debate but what Ramanuja didn't re realize when he criticized that he wasn't criticizing Shankara because Shankara never had those ideas. They came later. They came with Padmapada. That's the beginning of the whole mess. That Mithya Ajnana Nimitta That's the beginning of the whole mess. Now Vedanta became a dogma. And all sorts of theories about Ishwara and Maya and Jiva Shrishti and Ishwara Shrishti. The idea that when the Jiva gets rid of his ignorance, then his creation is gone. He doesn't see it wrongly. But the Ishwara Shrishti continues and that's why even the Jnani sees the world. Because there is an Ishwara that's creating all of this, this Maya. So the Jnani sees it, even though he has no ignorance, he still sees the duality. But what's the difference? He knows that it's Maya, so he's a Jnani. He knows that it's Maya. When your ignorance is gone, there'll be no Maya. And if there's Maya, your ignorance is not gone. Maya is the effect of ignorance. The cause, the karana, is avidya, and the effect is maya. It's because I don't know that it's a rope. That's the cause.
the root cause of not knowing the truth. This You read Gordapadis Karikas. He says, the reason the snake is appearing is because we don't know it's a rope. It's the ignorance that's the cause of the snake. But the second we know the truth, as soon as I get knowledge, the ignorance is gone, it's a rope. What happens to the Maika snake? Does it still remain there? For a little while, will it remain there? Will it remain there until we get rid of all our vasanas, maybe? <laughs> the second I know myself, the duality will cease. Shankara says, Samakalameva, at the very moment, Brahmavid, the moment you know that, Brahma Bhavati, you'll be that. There'll be no more knower. You won't see the Maya. It'll be finished. As long as you see the Maya, you can be sure ignorance is there. No matter whether you think it's Maya or you think it's real, it won't help you at all. Seeing the duality is the problem, not our conviction about whether the duality is real or unreal. The wise man doesn't see the duality because he is Brahman. There's only one wise man. Yes, we will now take a break. <laughs> I'm going to do two more shlokas when we come back, and then uh, we'll see where we go from there. Let's take a 10, 15 minute break, yeah? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> 